0: Hello, and welcome. Hi, this is You'll Die Trying. Nathan, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing good. Do you have uh, a lot on your mind? Yes. (laughs) Can you tell? uh, Well, yes. In in full disclosure, yes. Mm, Do you always have a lot on your mind? Yes,
1: always. Is a lot of it heavy? No, just a lot of little things. I'm not really good with admin stuff, so I need to get better at that.
0: Delegate. Mm. Eliminate, mm-hmm. automate, mm-hmm. liberate. Okay. Thanks to Tim Ferriss for his book, The Four Hour Work Week. That's an acronym that I learned there.
1: Okay. Well, you popped it out of your mouth really quick. Like you you wrote it. And I didn't.
0: I'm not should. sure he did either, but his name's on the book and he's doing a lot better than I am, I think, at writing books. You can write a book if you want. That's interesting. I was going to ask you a question about that today. Of course, I'll come you are. back around to it. But I, uh, yeah, delegate. Are there tasks that you probably should, uh, Offer up to others who might have time, energy, and giftedness for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, if if I need something faxed, I don't sit next to the fax machine like my off awesome office manager does. Like, why?
0: There's I, a very popular public speaker who does not do uh, email or text messaging and only receives requests to speak by fax. Is that true? That's a true story. That's really smart. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah.
1: All of my communication from this point on is going to be. Via facts.
0: Mine is homing pigeon, uh, and I I love it. Frank the pigeon. Is that a book? No, that's Frank the pigeon from the inaugural episode. I'm glad <laughs> oh, you listened to this. I podcast. don't think it was Frank. It was Frank the pigeon. Was it? Yes. If uh, if you're out there and you're struggling with uh, being overloaded by the amount of correspondence that comes to you, Nathan will be hosting an online tutorial about not using online technology. <laughs> I thought you were going to start that whole segment by saying, if you're out there, Frank, we're sorry. (laughs) Maybe I should have. You definitely should have. talk often on our podcast about relationships, and we use the term transactional sometimes to um, describe relationships where I need something from you or vice versa, and I want to make sure that we're all clear that those are not bad, that those can be good and those are real, and they also can lead into friendships. For instance, I overheard you the other day talking to T.R. Ward from American Mortuary Coolers. It's obvious how much respect y'all have for one another, even though the relationship's primarily a business one.
1: Absolutely. T.R. Ward is my go-to at American Mortuary Coolers. I mean, when you think of coolers or American mortuary coolers for that you just think of that and there's so much more than that in the world that I'm in and the five rooftops and you have vendors everywhere and to be able to streamline a process is fantastic and phenomenal so he is my go-to guy anything from prep room care center related to funeral visitation related TR Ward at American Mortuary Coolers has me and my team and family covered.
0: To all of our listeners out there who share as Nathan does in the funeral profession and the caring of families in their time of grief if you haven't already, give a call one 792 9315 or email funeralsource1 at gmail.com and visit americanmortuarycoolers.com for all of your funeral needs. So if you had a, uh, the opportunity to, uh, I paused because I wanted to make sure you finished your <laughs> I'm sorry, I was texting Brent. Text he asked if we were recording what episode we were hey, recording. Brent, thank you, Brent Lane. I'm for sorry what you do for us. I don't
1: know what episode we're on right now.
0: What book would you write right now? <laughs> uh, why wh- i I don't know. I'm not saying that. well, I mean, in the interest of the, uh, you know, our <laughs> listeners keeping it family friendly. yes. What book would you like to write? Right now, if your life was calling out to you, this is the book that you most need, because I think that's how it works, is like the book you most need is the book you end up writing. Have we talked about that? No.
1: Yes. I think it kind of intertwined with the kid book that you were talking about, like The Boy Who Loved Words. Okay,
0: so what book would you write right now? Do Not Stop. Stop. All right, I uh, listened to an interview once uh, of an ultra marathoner who's in her forties. Ultra marathons—that is, people who run marathons that are sometimes seventy or hundred miles long—they'll run through the night, sometimes two of them. And uh, she has a motto, and she says it to herself virtually the entire time she runs. And I think she runs everywhere. I read of one guy—I uh, can't remember his name—is Dan. It's a Greek last name. He's written a book about it, but he turned, I think, like thirty-seven, sitting in a bar wearing, um, like gardening shoes. And he was like, what's my life come to? And so he gets up from the bar and he just starts running and he runs like 30 miles and he's never run a day in his life. And at that point he realizes I was born for this. Like my body was made for this and I didn't even know it. So he just starts running. So he would get up on a Saturday morning with a credit card and a key and he would run 30 miles and he, his wife and children would drive and meet him for breakfast and then they would leave after breakfast and he would run home. He would run and have a pizza delivered at an intersection and he would run while eating the pizza. He'd find garbage can, discard it, and keep running. He would run to a marathon 20 miles, run the marathon, and then cross the finish line and run home. That's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. Her motto, the woman that I was uh, interview, I heard, don't stop running. That's what she says to herself the entire time. Don't stop running. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming.
1: (laughs) I think that's really interesting. When I do run, see, so I, I... It's really weird. I'll go through like these spells of running for months at a time, and then I'll stop for a few months. I don't condone... I'm not saying that's right, wrong, whatever, but I'll pop up and just start running again after taking two, three months off, and I'm like... I'm kind of an anomaly, I think, because I think I'm tall, long legs, you know, so I can take make up more ground. So I can run, after being off, you know, three months, I can run three, four miles, and it's not even like skipping a beat. It's pretty fun, but don't stop running.
0: That's the book you would write right now? Just don't stop? Don't
1: do not stop, yep.
0: Are you advocating for uh, a an ongoing continuation of all things? No. No, I'm saying, when
1: I say do not stop, I'm saying it's kind of like uh, patting myself on the butt because, you know, I'm spinning a lot of plates right now and we've... You know, you have kids and kids get snotty and sick, and then your wife is, you know, having a baby and, you know, you have acquisitions and other things that are going on from the professional side, and you need to maybe pause something or you think you do, but you can't because life doesn't stop, right? right? So you've got to figure out, you know, how to keep spinning all these plates. And I just keep reminding myself do not stop. People will sometimes say, well, you got too much going. I look them in the eye and say, never. Really? Never.
0: I'd like to advocate for uh, the sejura, the dramatic pause, like that one, mm-hmm. in one's life. And maybe that's where you find your your breath is in your morning ritual or your evening ritual or your afternoon coffee with colleagues. Maybe that pause is enough to continue to generate energy and inspiration and creativity so that you never have to fully stop.
1: Yeah. When I say do not stop, it's an encouragement. Like when you ever feel like you want to kind of give up, we all feel that way, I think, from time to time. So that is my way. Not that I'm personally at this rut where I want to give up on something. Sometimes I'm just like, man, you know, wouldn't it be easy to just kind of stop with the five locations and, you know? know?" And I'm like, no, no, I will not. I shall not. I shan't. I shan't. So here we are. So you're saying it in a positive way, kind of like, keep going, keep going, Nathan. Yeah, keep going, just
0: keep what, swimming, like you what, were saying. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Sweet. What area of expertise do you wish you had? Mm.
1: First thought was prioritizing, but I don't know that that's something that I don't that I'm not good at, because obviously if if the grass needs mowing or Someone needs to be dressed, cosmetized, and casketed before their visitation. Mm, I'm going to choose the right one. Do you get what I'm saying? Sure. Silly scenario, but...
0: It kind of comes back to your longing for delegation. Maybe. I think that you should initiate a vendetta against email. But... Because emailing... Let's say you spend an hour, you're going to get all my emailing done in an hour. Well, what happens 20 minutes after you've done that?
1: All the emails come in.
0: All the replies mm-hmm. generating more email, which means you are checking off items from someone else's to do list. I just that should frustrate you. I heard uh, Drew Houston, he is the co founder of Dropbox, graduated from MIT, brilliant guy. I've heard him interview, interviewed, and he talks about this. He talks about how I don't want to be doing somebody else's work on someone else's to do list. So he doesn't he uh, doesn't function using email very much at all.
1: Well, I'm trying to think of how to operate the businesses without all this email. I thought that here you are, you all can listen to my session with Doctor Carroll. <laughs> I thought that <laughs> again, again, here we go. I thought that if I do, devote uh, 30 minutes a day, like yes. I've been doing, yes. But they do come in sporadically throughout the remainder of the day. You yes. are
0: not going to say that you only spend thirty minutes. No, a no, day no, 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 night. it's far longer than that. But it's
1: <laughs> it's on the it's in my mind supposed to be thirty minutes. Okay,
0: Mondays but, but are always it translates terrible. To basically Mon- whenever they come in,
1: uh, I am better at not responding of, as good. when they come in throughout That's the day.
0: Good, good. Mm-hmm. same here. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to see that, and, and there's a sense of urgency, but. Um, Somebody said once that uh, God did not include as a commandment that thou shalt respond to email and texts at a certain point in time. Immediately, yeah. So we have some discernment in that. And I think that just because there's a cultural expectation and norm, that I think we can be clear with people and say, you know, that isn't my practice. And you and I have talked about developing... An automated response. Do you
1: want to read our automated response here? Let me get my phone. Hang on a second. So I hit AAA. You
0: created a keyboard shortcut on your smartphone of choice. And when you type in the chic shortcut you you created, it says, I regret that due to constraints within my schedule, I am
1: not able to reply to you at the moment. Feel free to send me an email at Nathan at hayleymcginnis.com
0: and I will respond as time permits. Thank you. It's polite. It's still inviting. It's requesting not a text, not a phone call, but an email, which you can get at your leisure or when it is the proper time for you. It lets people know that they've, you've heard them, but there's going to be some, some time, and it's on your time.
1: Yeah, I need to be better about that. I need to be better about a lot of things. I need to be better about leaving it at the door, too.
0: Talk to me about that.
1: You know, when you go home, let's not even start it with home because home's a whole other beast. Say you come to work. And you bring all your junk from home with you and your colleagues see you walking around and they know something's gone on, going on, whatever. Uh, this is general speaking. Actually, everything is great for with me from that. My problem is actually what I was initially saying is taking it home and mm-hmm. leaving it at the front door so that I can be you know, totally present for my wife and my children. And I think that that is an ongoing absolute battle for a lot of people. My grandfather, when I was a young guy, he t- my grandfather was a big uh, accountant for uh, Texas Gas. We talked about it in a previous podcast, huge company here. And he, he had this ability to just come home to his eight children, by the way. I mean, five girls and three boys. I mean, this is insane. And he would drop it at the door and he would come in and he'd be dad. How in the world... <laughs> I don't know. He would even carpool. He didn't even, if I'm not mistaken, he did not have a car for a long time, and he would put carpool with a neighbor and coworker. So I don't know how we got the kids every which way. Oh, I think he left the car for her. Anyway, long story long, he would drop it at the door. <laughs> how in the world does he do that? Right. And I was always inspired and impressed by that, even as a young guy.
0: When I served as a pastor, I would frequently be found visiting hospitals. Here in our community in Owensboro, Kentucky, but also Nashville, Louisville, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, and you know when you when you go visit someone who is experiencing in in those situations when they are out of town, almost always sort of life threatening or very scary stuff. You know you 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 think about how you want to be in that space because the last thing you want to be as a caregiver. And all of you listeners out there who are caregivers, whether for family or uh, CNAs at nursing homes or hospice caregivers or nurses, physicians, you want to make less distraction. You want to bring less frustration. You want to bring some measure of peace. Even if for those of you who have to accomplish a task, you want to do it in a way that brings comfort if you can. So I had this practice uh I tried to take the steps in the hospital because you know get moving kind of thing. So right. I would take the steps and when I arrived at the door leading into the floor that I was heading into I would stop there's always a a um, main pipe that goes up those stairwells that's the fire main you know it feeds the sprinkler systems for all the different floors so I would stop right there at the pipe in the corner and I would I had this kind of ritual Where I would, I guess it was a kind of prayer, kind of a breath prayer, where I would kind of breathe out, which to me was symbolic of letting go of everything that I thought I needed to be so that I could be emptied. Because I may have said before, as the Buddhists have taught us, the empty part of the bowl is the part we use. So I wanna make sure that I go into that room, that pastoral visit, that traumatic situation, emptied of any expectations of anything that I might need to bring, of any hope that I might, quote, say the right thing or do the right thing, and instead be, be present, represent presence with a capital P, bring peace and comfort, and whatever happens, happens. But I couldn't do that if I was full of expectations of myself. So, I learned that kind of from Jesus, actually, who prays this prayer of emptying on the cross, and they call it uh, kenosis, which, it, which means emptying. And I think when you empty, you have room to be filled. So, I like the idea of, of you, of, of me leaving our places of work, arriving toward our homes and giving ourselves on that short commute for us a little bit of time to just breathe out whatever we think we're going to walk into whatever we fear or anxious about or even are excited about encountering or experiencing so that we can be emptied, so that we can be filled of whatever is waiting for us. And to me, that brings me tremendous calm. You said whatever happens... Happens.
1: I really like that in the context in which you were just speaking, because you know, as a kid, you know, as a teenager, like whatever, whatever happens happens. And It's totally different. Yeah, different context. Totally different context. And I love the empty part of the bowl is the part we use. Mm. It's pretty awesome. Thank you for that. I think you can't be your best self in any of those situations, scenarios, if you aren't present. And I think there's an element of presence. I like that.
0: I really like that. So, uh, in this same vein, of course, here we are kind of encouraging one another. I think it's Proverbs that says, as iron sharpens iron, Mm -hmm. which I love that idea. Um, Someone once said that we are the average of the five people who are closest to us. What do you think about that? Just knee-jerk response having heard that for the first time.
1: Totally fine with it. That's my knee-jerk response.
0: Yeah, because I think of it makes you do an inventory. There, yeah, it? I just
1: did. I went through my rolodex, oh my, my short group list of mm-hmm. people that I surround myself with—business partners, friends—and I'm just like, I'm good with that. Totally fine with that. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really close with movers and shakers and good people. Mm-hmm. Those that give back, you know. I think it's really, someone said something over the weekend. I can't remember verbatim what they were talking about, but you know, you have all these gifts. We were built to give. Like, we were built like, to whom much is given, much is expected. That kind of saying, I don't know if it's biblical. Maybe it is. It is. It, okay. It is biblical. And I, there's so much truth in that. I mean, for someone who is financially blessed, for instance, I mean, what are you going to do? How are you going to spend all those, those dollars? Mm-hmm. Let's be 100% honest. You can only buy so many pairs of shoes. So what are you gonna do with those dollars that you can't spend that you can bless someone else with? I mean we're just built like that that's something uh, someone who who loves and longs for a healthy lifestyle and maybe healthy eating and, and running, you know, they have this knowledge, so why don't they they need to they want to? Uh, give of that knowledge back to people. That's just how we're built. So I don't know how I'm on this, but-
0: Life is meant to be shared.
1: Yeah, it really is. So I I know why I'm on this. See, I do this every episode. It's ridiculous. So you said do an inventory. I'm totally fine with being average because the people I'm around are the ones that are totally giving of themselves uh, wholeheartedly uh, of their time and their talents. It's really, really inspiring. What about you? Are you
0: pretty pleased to know that you're the average of the people you're with? You know what? I have to say I would, I could only hope that to be true because I do um, try to surround myself with uh, with loving and compassionate people. Um, so yeah, I would hope that to be true. Can I throw a
1: wrench? I would expect it. Can I, because you call me, call you my card sometimes. Is oh, that a safe answer? That I would hope to be?
0: Yeah. It's not safe in that, like, you mean, like, some sort of modesty or something?
1: I'm, I'm Not modesty so much as maybe even the people, like, for instance, clients that are listening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, you, you help a lot of people. I, mean, I hope so. A lot of, well... I hope so. You, yeah. yeah, I think you help a lot of people, but let's be even safer and say that your hope is to help a lot of people. You try to help a lot of people. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, I think that those people that are listening, you have this good job of making people, you know, you befriend people, people befriend you, so you know maybe people listening i was just saying is, are you being safe because they
0: might think oh that's i see what I'm because saying. people are wondering are they like one of the five or something yeah you know that that was part of my hesitation was thinking you know obviously we were we were excluding our children from that from that number of five <laughs> at least i was i'll speak for myself but i started thinking you know some people can rattle off 10 15 people that they would consider like super close to them But that is not the case for me. Me neither. I have been intentionally um, curating people uh, who are lovely, thoughtful people, and uh, not so that I can get something out of them, but because those are the people who inspire and generate creativity and... Loveliness, you know. So, I once read that uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu does that name ring a bell? He was a part of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. He was an Anglican bishop, and uh, he's he's still alive and still doing great work. But he he was talking once about prayer in a Religion and Ethics Newsweekly interview on um, public radio, and he he said that to him, prayer is like when he used to as a child get out of bed and go sit next to the wood stove that someone had lovingly prepared long before he had arisen. Prayer to him was nothing that he had to do. He just needed to go and sit there and the radiant warmth would kind of overwhelm him like a blanket, right? That's how I experience people who are close to me. There, there isn't anything that I need from them, but being near them warms, and illumines, enlightens and inspires me. So, but it's hard to, it's hard to know, you know, sometimes who those people are because it's been a kind of a tight circle.
1: Yes. To add to that in the world that I am in with a funeral per- profession, you've, man, it, it's very, I don't want to say the word, uh, competitive, but competitive because everyone wants to be the best provider of care. Uh, Everyone wants to be the largest provider of care. And it's very, um, it's very difficult to befriend people in this, in this world. because competitive world. It's a very competitive world. And people, you know, people aren't like that where they don't expect from each other. It's literally, what can I gain from befriending you kind of thing? If I can speak in regards to the profession that I'm in, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are in kind of similar professions. You know, uh, I couldn't imagine people who are in the world of, of sales, you know, S A L E S, not like boat sales, sailboats. Oh, you yeah. You can be gotcha. in a sailboat world if you want. Anyway, I just That'd think it'd be, be hard. World. It would be. it yeah. be a uh, difficult world to be in, to be in sales and having those uh, meaningful, uh, what am I trying to say, relationships, yes, you know, where people yes. don't think that you're just befriending them to you know, get a commission.
0: Because in large part, you, you your job is to create that relationship, mm-hmm. to build trust so that that person sees you as a vendor, as a source, as a supplier, as reliable and trustworthy. So I think what would be difficult for people who are in sales, and so many of you listening are in sales, I think it would be difficult at home to leave that at the door because oh people who are gifted at sales are gifted with words and they are able to package ideas and concepts in ways that are palatable. And so I think if I were the partner of a professional salesperson and there was a disagreement, I would probably feel like I might sometimes be getting a sales job, which isn't fair probably to the salesperson in the relationship, but it would be, be, um, it, it could be frustrating. Could you imagine being a realtor? I would have
1: such a difficult time with that because I already have enough time unplugging. But let's be honest, we've all texted our our realtor at 11 o'clock at night because they don't sleep, apparently. Yeah. Well, so we think, you know, I I am bad. Sorry, Ivy. I have texted, you know, like 10 o'clock at night to cut my hair kind of thing because you just don't think about the fact. So sorry, you know, she has a kid, her and Matt. And anyway, but like realtors, it'd be really hard to unplug to be like, okay, you know, it's five, five o'clock at night. I'm going to go and be with my family. I mean, people are calling a seven, eight, wanting to see a house.
0: Yeah. it's There's a sense of urgency constantly. Constant. And and of course we, as the, as the consumer have created that, we've created that sense of, you know, you need to be responsive or else. And of course that generates, I think tremendous amount of anxiety in the entire profession where everyone's now competing, uh to uh, to be more accessible. What would it be like if we flipped, if we flipped that and were pursuing people who had boundaries? What if I was texting someone, a realtor, say, and they text me right back, and I was like, "You probably should be with your family right now." And to me, that was like a litmus test of this person doesn't. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to do that, right, <laughs> as a consumer, because I want that person to be working. Hey, for realtors, <laughs> <me>. but. <laughs> I do think, and I know, realtors who who work so hard for uh, their clients and 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 for and with other realtors, you know, and in, in creating joint joint uh, sales, but they they also do have a sense of boundary. They they recognize, yes, I need to be responsive. Yes, I am always on call. Yes, I also have a family. Yes, I have things that I need and want to do, and I think being honest about that and saying, you know, I absolutely am going to show you that house. i want to make sure you're the next person to see that house. However, this isn't a great time for me. I'm going to make sure it, it becomes a good time as soon as I can. As a consumer, that wouldn't bother me. I think there are probably people whom it would bother, but it wouldn't bother me. I like people to have healthy boundaries. It wouldn't bother me either. I would have, I would actually appreciate that. I really
1: would. I don't know how we got onto the real realtors talk, I guess, but
0: I think it was interesting. Yeah. I went back to uh, salespeople and, and, and again, yeah. transactional relationships and networking and interfacing and, and how do you surround yourself with people who are close to you when sometimes in your professional world, there are people who are trying to get something from you. It means that you have to be discerning. And that word brings up the idea of, of spiritual practices. I think the one practice behind all the other practices is discernment. I think we have to pray to be gifted with um, wisdom.
1: Um, discernment.
0: Yeah. What's that word mean to you?
1: I, whenever you said it immediately, I was like, oh my God, it's such a, it's such a good word. It's such a good word constantly. It's, it's, I don't want to say, um, when I think of discernment, I, I literally picture, uh, like a knight's armor. Does that ah, sound really? Yeah. Why do, I don't know why, because I think of discernment, it's just, you're constantly like, it's protecting yourself,
0: right? Yeah. Is this good for me? Right. Well, you're, you're dividing. You're, I think the etymology is about um, separating out things, sorting right. so that you can sort properly. Right.
1: Will this be benefit me? Will this benefit my family? Does this benefit the other party or parties? Will this bless myself and others? You know, those types of things, and it's constant. Like You just got to constantly be mindful of that. And I think if it becomes one of your daily practices to discern, I mean, not being so just off the cuff or just so sporadic, actually mm-hmm. calculated... That's probably another word that kind of coincides with. Yeah. Yeah. So put on your, you know, your armor of
0: discernment. I don't know why. So how do we propose that people should be aware of who they are, know what they believe, know what they think, be open and honest and vulnerable with others, not be too concerned with how other people think about them, but be sensitive to that without being shaped or formed by it. Have morning and evening routines that create and and generate inspiration and space for creativity, and discern constantly while emptying oneself. Like we're we're calling all of us our listeners as well as ourselves to, I think a, a pretty high form of, of interior living and inner, inner world. How do we propose to be able to do all of that? (laughs) Uh, This is when Nathan (laughs) describes how to live a life of meaning. uh, Sit back,
1: get a bowl of popcorn and let's roll. (laughs) I think of um, the scripture, thy word is a lamp unto my feet Mm -hmm. and a light unto my path. All those things that you were literally just uh, explaining us doing and p- p- putting into place and in practice reminds me of that scripture. And that scripture, whenever I've finally dissected it to the point where it's like, you know, like um, I'm only showing you one piece of the puzzle at a time because if I showed you the big picture, you'd probably get overwhelmed and freak out, freak out kind of like what I initially wanted to do whenever you just asked me that question. So all mm-hmm. those things, it's one at a time. Isn't it about like before you move on to the next thing, it's perfecting one? right? Or or getting um, better at before you move on to the next thing? Does that Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Would, would you agree with that? Am, am, I, am I good, Dad? Did I do a good job?
0: <laughs> I think that all of these things are processes, and we, of course, have to be very generous with ourselves and patient with these processes. But I do think that they are kind of... Uh, they're mile markers along the way, you know? And there's no arriving. No one can ever say, oh, I'm there.
1: Right. You, know? you can't obviously... I, perfect one thing and move on to the other, right? Exactly. You know.
0: It's, it's I think, uh, like standing at the very foot of uh, where the waves roll in at their gentlest, uh, gent- gentlest, I mean the most gentle part bad. of the beach. Uh, you know, the waves come in and they go out. They come in. It's very light. And I, I kind of think that our intellectual, our spiritual, our emotional worlds are more like that we don't dive in and, and do very well. I think that we ebb and we flow. We have better moments and then we have moments of challenge and change. We, we uh, are going to be thoughtful and engaged and we'll sit in our driveway and we'll breathe out an emptying prayer and we'll go in and we'll engage our families more thoughtfully than we would have. And the next day we're going to come in, and we're going to be frustrated and we're going to have forgotten all of that. You know, I think we are always just beginners. I think that's the best part of St. Benedict's rule um, for the Benedictine order is the part that we are called to remember. We are always just beginners. I
1: think that's the nugget to take away from this episode. I think we put way too much pressure on ourselves and realizing that we are just beginners, always just beginners is, uh, I think it's invaluable. And also, it's really weird that I've called you dad twice in this episode. I heard it. I don't know why. Like, you were at, like, a very serious, like, moment talking about our, you know, the ebb and the flow of the waves. Next
0: episode, we'll address (laughs) Nathan's provisional ticks when faced with (laughs) difficult conversations that bring out vulnerability. (laughs) To you, our listeners, otherwise, think about those things that you think you could engage in that would enrich your life practices and, and, and routines that might bring you to a precipice where you could learn something or you can challenge yourself, where you can engage at work and at home more thoughtfully. And uh, feel free to share with us uh, on Facebook, You'll Die Trying, or Instagram at Die Trying Podcast. Anchor FM is where you can go to catch up, if you're not uh, already, on all of our episodes. And I can say, uh, for both of us, we could not thank you more for being a part of this journey with us.
1: Guys, gals, your love far more than you'll ever know, and we will see you next time.
0: Looking forward to it.